Hi everyone, welcome to Into the Archives. While our main sermon podcast, uh, Words from the Wildwood, can be found on Sunday mornings, this is more of a retrospective, a looking back at where I have been, where I preached, what I've had the opportunity to do, and the observations I've made along the way. I hope that you can look back with me at many of these sermons that have come. Some may sound a little dated, but you might be impressed to hear things that were going on then that are still going on today. I hope you enjoy this offering from the archives. How many of y'all know the saying, patience is a virtue well learned? Y'all know that statement? Okay, it's been held for a long time. I'm going to challenge it tonight. Okay, watch this. Boom. Patience is not a virtue. It is a necessity. Patience is not an option in this world. You must, as a believer in Jesus Christ, have patience. Now, why do I say that, you ask? What would make me say that patience is a necessity? Well, let me tell you. Here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 7 through 11 tonight. That's the way we're going to start her out. Now, here's what I have to say based upon the Word of God. Patience is required to learn from God. If you are going to learn from the Lord God Almighty, you must have patience. Another word for patience might be stick-to-itiveness, persistence, stubbornness in the good sense, not in the bad sense. Deuteronomy 9. 7 through 11, let's see what the Word of God has for us tonight. Remember and do not forget how you provoked Yahweh your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against Yahweh. Even at Horeb, you provoked Yahweh to wrath and Yahweh was so angry with you that he was ready to destroy you. When I went up the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that Yahweh made with you. I remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. And Yahweh gave me the two tablets of stone written with the finger of God and on them were all the words that Yahweh had spoken with you on the mountain out of the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And at the end of 40 days and 40 nights, Yahweh gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Oh, what a great day this was. What an amazing time in the life of Israel. They had been slaves. They had been set free by an act of God. They had been brought to the mountain of God. There they had quaked. They had shaken because God Almighty, the God of eternity, the God of creation, who had formed them from the dust of the earth, he came to them and he spoke to them, Bill, right from the fire of the mountain. He spoke to them all his requirements. They heard it with their ears, not through a pastor, not through a preacher, not through a teacher, not in a book. They heard the words of God. You know how I know they heard the words of God? Because they were scared. They said, oh, Moses, don't let God speak to us anymore. It's too terrible. If we hear the voice of God again, we're going to die. You know why they said that? Because they heard what God had to say. And what God had to say was pretty stiff. He had some high requirements. They knew they couldn't do it. So don't let God speak to us again. Let us speak to you. And then you tell us and we're all good from there. That was their whole deal, right? Here we are, 40 years later, the generation that did not sin by not going in the promised land. What does he say? So patience is required to learn from God. How do we know that? 
Deuteronomy 9.7 Remember and do not forget how you provoked Yahweh your God to wrath in the wilderness. Now how did they do that? Remember what happened in the wilderness? First of all they had manna but they got sick of the manna so what did they do? They mumbled and they grumbled against God's provision. But God was patient. He gave them quails. Now personally I wouldn't have cared for quails. I would rather have had sirloin. But you know God gives what God gives. Don't fuss. On top of all that he kept taking these rocks and making water come out of them. You're in a desert. No food, no water. What does God give you? Food and water. Why are you fussing and grumbling? Why are you complaining all the time? But they did. They fussed and they mumbled and they... Why? Because they wanted to go from the abundance of Egypt smack dab immediately into equal abundance in their own country. They were not patient to wait on the ongoing provision of God. The reason why they had to gather the manna every day was what? So they would learn to trust that God was going to give it to them. You ever get impatient for something to happen in your life? You know something good's coming. You know something good's going to be there. But oh, I can't wait. It's, gonna, it's taking too long. Why can't it be right now? Here's the thing. Impatience is the providence of children and babies. That is the providence of children and babies. Impatience is not the providence of grown adults. Grown adults learn, if I want something good, I gotta work for it, I gotta save for it, then I get it, then I enjoy it. And I enjoy it all the more because I worked for it and waited for it and saved for it. Anytime you give a kid everything, they never work for it, they never wait for it, they don't appreciate it. God was teaching them, trust me, trust me, trust me, I will take you to a better place than you could ever have imagined. But they got impatient. Deuteronomy 9.8 even at Horeb, you provoked Yahweh to wrath. And Yahweh was so angry with you that he was ready to destroy you. Where's Horeb? Mount Sinai. Even at Mount Sinai, just days, weeks after they had been released from slavery, after they had been brought to the mountain of God, after they had seen the glory of God, they had heard the voice of God. Something that any of us would, would give our lives to hear. Who here would not be willing to die to stand in the living presence of God in flame, in fire, in holiness, in majesty, not in a book, but in the reality of it. Right there, you can feel the heat of the flames. Wouldn't that be worth dying for? But even there in that presence, they were not faithful. How'd they provoke him? Well, we're going to get there in just a little bit. But let me give you a little hint. What do they call a little cow? Just think about it, and we'll get there in a second. All right, go on. Deuteronomy 9.9. When I went up the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that Yahweh made with you, I remained on the mountain. Now, check this out, y'all. Forty days and forty nights, I neither ate bread nor drank water. That is the limit of what a human being can endure. Jesus himself was only tempted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Moses went up there to receive all that God had for him. Everything that God, the whole book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. God was pouring this into Moses through him, around him. All these covenants that had to deal with how they treated each other, how they talked to each other, how they did land disputes. All that was being poured into Moses. And all he could do was lay there and receive all those days. Did he get hungry? You betcha. Did he think about a manna burger? 
or quail on a stick? Yes, he was hungry. Did he pine for water? Yes, he was parched, but God was pouring and he was receiving. You say no man can live in the desert. Now I've been in the desert before, right? You've been in Iraq and all the nasty places where even, you know, God shouldn't go. How did he live 40 days and 40 nights with no water, no food? My daughter can tell you from watching Man, Woman, Wild, you can't go more than four or five days without water of some kind because you'll die. How did he last? Only by divine provision. Only because God made it possible. He laid there in that position of absolute submission to a holy God. And that sustained him. Was it easy? No. Was it painful? Yes. Sometimes God has to knock you on your backside, don't he? You get a little uppity. You get a little smart mouth. God's got to put you on your can. And sometimes you sit there for a couple years. You think, but God, look at all that I've got. Look at all that I can do. Lord, you need me. No, I don't. Sit down and be quiet. I will call you when you are usable. Then I will bring you and I will use you in whatever way I see fit. Sometimes God doesn't call us to the high position we think we ought to have. But he takes us and he sets us in that desert. And he whittles us down and he wears us down. Not to break us, not to destroy us, but to show us our true position, our true dependence upon him. Then, then he can use us. Then he can make it happen. Don't forget, when Moses killed the Egyptian, he went 40 years in the backside of the wilderness before God could use him, bring him on that mountain, speak out of that burning bush, and send him to get the Israelites. 40 years God had to park him in the pasture before he was usable to a holy God. Think about it. How long has God had some of us sitting down there working on us, getting us ready? Okay, let's move on. Deuteronomy 9, 12 through 19. If it is true... That patience is required to hear from the Lord. It's also true that a lack of patience can be fatal. I was watching a show on snipers, military snipers, you know, these uh, marine scout sniper dudes. And this guy was talking about laying in a field, waiting for, a he waited three days for a shot. And he laid there. He said, I had things crawling on me. I just kept my mind on the shot. I didn't pay attention to how many feet, how many legs, how many bites, how much blood loss. He said he had things happening to him that he could never have imagined in training. But he dare not move an inch waiting for his shot. Then when he took it, then he could move and get the itches and get the heebie-jeebies and get the bugs off him and out of him and all that good stuff. That's the training that it takes to do that job. Look at this training. A lack of patience can be fatal. Then Yahweh said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here, for your people whom you have brought from Egypt have acted corruptly. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made themselves a metal image. Mm, can you say calf? Furthermore, Yahweh said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stubborn people. Sound like anybody you know? Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of you, Moses, a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain. And the mountain was burning with fire. And the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked and behold, you had sinned against Yahweh your God. You had made yourselves a golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that Yahweh had commanded you. So I took hold 
hold of the two tablets. And I threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. Then I lay prostrate before Yahweh as before, forty days and forty nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of Yahweh to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure that Yahweh bore against you so that he was ready to destroy you. But Yahweh listened to me that time also. Ooh, he's reminding the children of the disobedient ones how close they came to being extinguished. You see this word provoked, provoked, provoked? Do you know what it means? It means to be moved to rage. To rage. Remember, wrath is what God stores up for judgment. Wrath builds in intensity over many, many, many years. Then when the fullness of that wrath is accomplished, God unchains it. That is not this word. This is the word to rage. When God saw he had delivered them, he had brought them to this place of safety through the Red Sea, and they had so quickly embraced a foreign God. His instantaneous judgment was that they deserved destruction. See, a lack of patience can get you killed. Take a look at it. Deuteronomy 9.12 says this, Then Yahweh said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here. For your people whom you have brought from Egypt have acted corruptly. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them, and they have made themselves a metal image. What is this talking about? What is the way he has taught them? How has he taught them? At Horeb, at Sinai, that day when God spoke out of the mountain, out of the flame, he made a covenant with Israel, didn't he? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Do not even make a graven image of anything that is in the heavens, under the heavens, under the sea, of your old lady, of your father, your grandfather. Don't make any kind of image that you worship and dare to make it equal to me. Don't do that. That's the first and most sacred of all the commandments. God must remain God and cannot be replaced. They have turned aside quickly. How long had they been at the mountain? Now let's think about it. They had seen the fire of God. They had heard the voice of God. You'd think that would leave an impression on them. Yet Moses had only been on the mountain 40 days. A month and 10 days. That's not a long time. You're supposed to be setting up camp, getting the tents dusted out, you know, arranging the children, get the school going, get the quail hunting parties, you know, manna gathering teams, all that good stuff. Get it going. Get your lives going. For 40 days, their pastor was gone. And in those 40 days, they completely lost faith in God. Does it make sense to anybody that you could have been a slave, seen the plagues on Egypt, then been delivered? Okay, you could pass those off as happenstance. Woo, we got lucky. Some bad things happened and they thought it was God. He, he, he. Okay, great. You get out of Egypt. You're making the bums rush. You got the gold and the earrings and everything. Okay, you get to the beach at Nueva. Ooh, big pond. Pharaoh's behind you. Gonna turn you into a shish kebab. No happenstance here, baby. Moses says, check it out. The fire of God by night, the cloud of God by day, the Shekinah appears in the past and Pharaoh can't come after them. Then the breath of God has opened the sea. They saw the ocean stand up as a wall and there was a pathway in the sea. I mean, I'm sorry, you could pass off 
the ten plagues. There ain't no way to pass off a mountain of water where you're walking down into the ocean and safe to the other side. And it just so happens that when you get to the other side, the Shekinah moves. Here comes Pharaoh's army like idiots. And boom, the waters come back together. I think that will leave an impression on you. Yet it didn't. Because they got to the mountain, they saw God, they wet their robes because God's standards were so high, they could never live up to what God was asking. So they said, Moses, you, you, you handle this. Mountain is still burning. There's still flames up there. Yet somehow they said, well, Moses probably got barbecued. He got lost. Uh, we better find ourselves another God. We better find ourselves a completely different God. How is that possible? Look at verse 14. God says, let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. What a temptation. What a temptation to say, you know what? This church has been disobedient. Why don't we raise up somebody here that's, that's tall and powerful and a good speaker and they can lead us out of Egypt and God will use them to start something new. No, that ain't the way it works. That ain't how God does things. What was, what was God really saying to Moses? Moses, here's the thing. You're all that's stopping me from killing them punks. All you have to do is step aside and let me kill them. Now Moses, 40 years in the backside of the wilderness, had come through, had suffered, had been plagued with doubt. He had seen God deliver them. He had these people on his heart. He could not let them go. He could not let them die. Keep going. Verse 17. So I took hold of two tablets and I threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. Why? Because they had broken the covenant with God and now the covenant was truly broken. Remember, the covenant is not just uh, all the good stuff. It's protection. It's safety. It's his presence. Their disobedience by choosing another God broke all those promises into dirt. That was a terrifying thing. God's finger had written those tablets. Moses didn't just lose his temper and throw down a Bible. He took the handwriting of God and smashed it to show the people what they had done to the heart of God. And our disobedience today is the same way. Our lack of faith today is the same way. How many times do we want God to do something and we shortcut it? How many times do we want God to provide something for our family, uh, an economic deal, or we want God to do something for our children, or we want God to do something for this and for that, for the other thing, or I want to get involved in this, I want to get involved in that. And, if, and instead of waiting for God to move us in there naturally, when we're prepared, when we're ready, what do we do? We get up off the ground where God put us and said, sit there till I'm ready for you. Remember those days? Dad said, you sit there and I'll come and get you. And you sweated the whole time he was coming to get you. We get up, we decide we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to do it our own way. Well, I'm sure the Lord didn't really mean for me to sit here and wait. I'm sure God really didn't intend for me to be this patient. I mean, surely God is going to let me do something now. Until God moves, don't move. Sit there. Do what he tells you. When I was a kid, if mom puts you on the naughty step, honey, and you moved... You might not sit down for a couple days. Can I get an amen? From some of you that lit up as children. Yeah, the Bible says don't move, don't move. <laughs> Go on, verse 18. Then Moses said, I lay prostrate before Yahweh as before. He had been before God 40 days and 40 nights. This brother was hungry. He was thirsty. He was looking forward to relief 
from his suffering because God had released him to come down. But now he could not because if Moses went down and took bread in his house, if Moses went down and took water to refresh himself, the only way that he could do that would be to step out of the path of an angry God and Israel would be obliterated. Yes, God would make of him another nation, but Moses knew that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. God was giving him the option for the easy way out. But God also knew that Moses wouldn't take it. So for 40 years, I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you had committed in doing what was evil in the sight of Yahweh to provoke him, to move him to rage, to instantaneous judgment. So great was Moses' compassion. He would not move even from the fury of God's presence. And he suffered another 40 days. He suffered another 40 nights. That's 80 days and 80 nights, y'all. That's more than it rained on the earth. How did he survive 80 days and 80 nights with no bread and water? God sustained him because he was in the place he was supposed to be. That's how you're sustained. That's how you make it through. The people had left. They had, they had shortcut God. They were going to do it their own way and they were fixing to get killed. Only one man stepped in the way. We were all supposed to die for our sins. For what we had done to God, for our disobedience, we were supposed to die. But Jesus Christ stepped in there. He spent his 40 days and his 40 nights in the wilderness. Then he spent his time on the cross. And that's why we're still here. Because he took all of that grief for us. That's, that's, that's why we're here. Look at verse 19. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure that Yahweh bore against you. So that he was ready to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me that time also. Here's the amazing thing. When we endure... When we stick it out, when we don't chicken and run, when we stand our ground, when we are the man in the gap against God's anger with his people. You know, you heard that, you heard that saying, right? Stand in the gap. That's not for unbelievers. You stand in the gap for believers who are not doing what they're supposed to do. That's you praying every day for your friends who are believers who are disobedient and praying that God would have patience and that God would show them what they're doing. It is what pastors and Sunday school teachers and deacons and small group leaders do day by day. We pray for God's patience with those who are under our care. That he might not burn in rage against them, but give them that time to come to repentance and understanding. That's what it's about. A lack of patience can be completely fatal when it comes to God. But always, always, there's a Moses who will lay down and endure the pain and the suffering for the sake of God's people. I just think that is completely amazing. And we always miss that last step. The Lord had respect for what Moses did because Moses knew that's what he was supposed to do. Let's finish it up. Impatience will always be costly. Deuteronomy 9, 20 and 21. Two more verses and we are done. Impatience will always be costly. Now, here's what happened. God was going to kill them and he should have for what they did. But God didn't kill them because the man of God, Moses, stood his ground, laid his ground, actually suffered an extended period of deprivation so that they might be spared. And God respected that sacrifice. Because always what God wanted was to, was to put a man up there. Why do you think he was 40 years in the wilderness? To teach him to stand his ground even against certain death. Alright, Deuteronomy 9, 20 and 21. And Yahweh was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. And he should have. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Then I took the sinful thing, the golden calf thing, the calf that you had made, and burned it with fire and crushed it 
grinding it very small until it was as fine as dust. And I threw that dust of it into the brook that ran down from the mountain. Important lesson. Everyone skips these two verses to get to the next set of verses. Don't skip it. If God wrote it, there's a reason it's there. Take a look at it. Verse 20. And Yahweh was so angry with Aaron. Why? Remember on the mountain? On the mountain, God had spoken to Moses. He had given a place of honor to Aaron. Aaron had held the staff. Aaron had been there with Moses the whole time through those plagues on Egypt. Aaron knew better than anyone the power and the holiness of God. Aaron was there from the start. He was the one that God supplied to Moses because Moses griped he couldn't talk. Mouthpiece, staff holder, whipping it down in front of Pharaoh's feet. He was there. He knew the power of God. And God had appointed him the first of a family of high priests. What an honor had been bestowed on Aaron. But even Aaron is impatient. Even Aaron would not stand his ground against the godless people, the godless behaviors of the other Israelites. He was not strong enough to do what he needed to do. It's amazing to me. And the Lord was so angry with Aaron, was ready to destroy him. And I pray for Aaron also at the same time. Now here's the thing. Aaron did go on to become that high priest. Although later it would pass from him to one after him. Because he just did not have that obedience. Of course, it's kind of funny that Moses and Aaron's sister had the same problem. But her leprosy comes a little bit later. We'll get there when we get there. Going to verse 21. Then I took the sinful thing, that golden calf that you had made, and I burned it with fire, and I crushed it, grinding it very small until it was as fine as dust. And I threw the dust of it into the brook that ran down from the mountain. Interestingly enough, this happens again later when they're trying to decide about sinfulness. They sweep the dust from the floor of the temple. They put it in the water and it makes the water defiled. But here it has a very specific, specific meaning. If you go to Exodus 32.20, it recounts the same story. Recounts exactly the same story, but it adds a sentence. It adds a sentence. And the sentence goes like this. And he made the people drink the water with the gold dust in it. Now people have talked about all the consequences that can happen when you start drinking water with gold dust in it. Everything from intestinal cramps to diarrhea to all kinds of other painful situations as those little bits of metal roll through you. But that really wasn't the real problem. What did this mean? The water in the desert was a gift from God. Yes, His provision. Pure offering to sustain the people. When the gold of that accursed thing was spread on that water and they were forced to drink it, what did they have to drink? The consequences of their sin, of their disobedience. Any pain, any suffering inside that came along, they deserved it. But even more than that, now that water was contaminated, even as they themselves were contaminated by the sin of that day. Now we all know what happens after that time. Moses says, who is on the Lord's side? He says, okay, pull out your sword and kill the rest of them. Everyone that sided with the people that were idolatrous, all the ones that wanted the foreign gods, all the ones that wanted the pagan rituals, they killed them and the blood covered the foot of the mountain. The blood ran deep. They paid a heavy, heavy price for their sin that day. Those that died, died for their sin. Those that lived bore the consequences of that day the rest of their lives. Here's the thing. If you've been impatient in the past and God has pardoned you and given you grace and allowed you to move past it, you will testify to this day that you still bear the scars of what you did. Here's the thing. Are you becoming impatient with God right now? 
Are you becoming impatient that God is not doing everything you want him to do when you want him to do it? If you are, and many people in our church are very impatient right now. They're not willing to wait for God to do God's thing. They're wanting to jump ahead and change the whole world. I caution us all. Let God be God. And if it takes 40 days and 40 nights, so be it. If it takes 40 years on the backside of the wilderness for God to beat us back into a shape that he can use and be glorified by, so be it. Let's not push the plan of the Almighty. Otherwise, we'll be drinking the consequences of our actions for a long time. And it will affect not just us, but the next generation. Now, you all know I am not a patient man. I am not one to let things go by. I am not a person who is quiet when I know there's wrong in the house. And I will gladly tell you everything that's wrong in the house. But here's the thing. I know when it's time to wait. And I, I know when it's time to fold my hands. And I know when it's time to let God be God. And I'm telling you right now, we're in a little generation. We're in a little time. This is our 40 days. I don't mean literally, so don't start counting the days, but this is our 40 days. We need to be patient <coughs> while God is on the mountain and Moses is doing his job discerning what needs to happen. It will happen soon and it will happen according to God's plan. And if something does go wrong, a violation of the word of God, etc., well, we'll deal with it according to the scriptures. Amen. But I encourage us all, be patient right now. Because here's the thing. Are you willing to wait? Last little bit. One, growth takes time. Be patient with yourself if you're not growing as quickly as you want to. Keep in the word. Stay in prayer. Study to show yourself approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. But if God hasn't put you in a position of leadership yet, be patient. Two, when we rush, it is often into certain disaster. Y'all have, have been under a teacher that wasn't ready to teach, right? Y'all have been in a Sunday school class where the teacher went there just because there was an opening and he was the worst teacher you ever had in your whole life. You got to love the brothers that try. But if you're not called to teach, don't teach. If you're not called to preach, don't preach. Not called to sing, don't sing. Be patient. Be patient. When we rush, we can often mess up what God's doing in our lives. Third, even if we are saved from our impatient mistakes, it will be costly to outstrip your coverage. You know what I mean by that, don't you? Just like in football, you got protection around you as long as you stay where you're supposed to be. If you outrun your coverage, you're going to get hit and you're going to get hurt and it's going to take a while to recover from it. That's how it always happens. If you don't believe me, watch the Seahawks play sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, having said that painful comment, let's pray and get out of here. Hey, thank you for visiting our podcast today. Both Words from the Wildwood and From the Archives are presented to you by our family as an offering to Almighty God in the hope that they will help you grow in your understanding of God's amazing Word. If what you hear has been a blessing, consider supporting our efforts by sending us your prayers and by letting others know where they can hear us on local podcasts. If you are in the U.S. and you are able to help in any way, shape, or form, please send any support to Richard Stidham, S-T-I-D-H-A-M, P.O. Box 1321, Baytown, Texas 77522. If you are outside the States, God bless you and share Jesus with those that you can. God bless and we'll be back soon.